Hello and welcome to this edition of the Modern Times Podcast, Political Profundity. John Guzan and Karen Weil. Hi, Karen. Hi, good afternoon, and hello out there to everyone listening. Well, we have a very interesting slate for our podcast today. Um, We're going to be talking a little bit about dreaded wildfires across the West. Um, where then we're going to jump into the wildfire that is Washington and Donald Trump right now. Uh, John Brennan speaking out against Donald Trump. Um, then we're going to jump to um, Michael Cohen, Omarosa, Manafort, um, all that other interesting stuff. Um, and then lastly, we're going to come back home into something that even does have a bit of a Trump angle on the Arizona elections Um, there's, uh, definitely some, uh, intrigue in the U S Senate race, um, being here, we've probably seen all the, uh, political ads, which I'm going to have a great time discussing with you today. Um, let's jump right in Karen, um, as something that you really have been seeing firsthand and actually breathing, um, uh, all these wildfires that are going on, especially out in California's most high profile, um, right now we've been, you know, having a, a, a rather quiet summer in Arizona, which I guess, knock on wood, a little bit um, for that. Um, Lucky you. So far, right? Knock on wood. Um, but, yeah. um, th- you know, there's been, you know, a little bit more of a, a, a look taken at um, what's been going on and what's been driving, at least what's been happening in California. Um, uh, th- there was a, 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 a an article that we, that we were reading and a study that's come out talking about um, uh, that as temperatures rise in the U.S., so are flames. Um, uh, higher, ho- hotter, drier weather um, means that uh, there's, you know, fuel for these fires. Right. So, um, you know, yeah. what 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 have your experiences been, and and, and what are you seeing out out well, in California? Quickly, where where the county I live in, San Diego, thankfully, again, knock wood or knock trees. <laughs> <laughs> um has not experienced a major wildfire yet. There have been some minor ones. Uh, the bigger ones have been burning in, in Riverside and parts of Orange County. Uh, and of course, there have been fires up north. But And I, I lived here in 2007 when there was the Witch Creek Fire, which was, was incredibly damaging. People died in it. Thousands of people lost property and, and homes and other things. Uh, just an extraordinarily devastating uh, ecological event. That was started from a lightning strike. And I just, you know, the state has been, for the most part, on edge during the summer. Obviously, these, I live near, somewhat near the coast, which is somewhat insulated mist, but a lot of people live inland and they're greatly affected by these fires. Um, and of course, this impacts not only devastation of people's lives. Uh, you know, people have died in these recent spate of fires. God knows how many animals have. Uh, never mind all the property damage. Uh, you know, obviously that's not the same as somebody dying, but still, people who are left with this to pick up the pieces afterwards never are an easy thing. And, you know, there's just there are a lot of concerns, not only for that, just the pure devastation and danger of it, just how this is going to affect tourism. Yeah, a lot of people go to California, mostly to the coastal areas and to Disneyland and, and places like that. But, you know, if there are fires burning near Anaheim, that's going to affect air quality in Disneyland, okay? And I have family members who are there right now, and I'm not sure what they've been seeing, uh, probably too busy running around Disneyland and good for them. Um, but so there are just, and of course there's the economic impacts of this, the billions it's going to cost to rebuild. Of course, there are a lot of debates about should people be living in areas now that clearly are much more susceptible to wildfire? That's a serious question. I mean, my personal answer is no, you shouldn't, if at all possible. Although for people who are living in these, in, you know, more rural communities, uh, in Orange County, Riverside, San Diego, L.A., what have you, you know, they make their living there. Uh, so it's, it's just an extraordinarily complicated subject. Um, I, I, you know, I think there's little doubt now that climate change does play a role in this. Is it the total role? No. For example, the car fire uh, was started by somebody who clearly seems to be out of his mind. Right. Uh, he's, he's still in a lot of trouble, and I suspect he's going to be locked away, as he should be. 
for a long time to come for what he's done. Uh, there's also theories of that he's a QAnon conspiracy theorist, and yeah, that's the world we're living in now, where somebody like this is starting fires. Possibly, we don't know for sure because of his political beliefs, which is especially despicable. Yeah, if you that's know, the case. And right. We don't know it is. Um, <laughs> so this just really bad summer here in the state um, for reasons I've already gone over. I, you know, I watch the news here every day with a lot of trepidation and worry. And of course, we're not even, this is what's especially disturbing about this, John, is normally the bigger fire season starts in the fall here. Those are when the infamous Santa Ana right, winds are really right, kicking right. up. Therefore, that's the thing that spreads the fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have not seen as much of that occurring because, again, this is not the season for it. So there's still a lot of nerves about what's going to happen as fall rolls on. For example, the Witch Creek fire started in late October, burned for 10 days, you know, was absolutely devastating, as I said, at a time when, you know, the temperatures are supposed to be down and the air is, is has more moisture, et cetera, so forth. And that's just not the case here. Um, you know, there, I mean, this to me, this sort of ties back into our general debate about climate change. And what we do about it as a nation. Um, we know there isn't the political will, at least not at the top right now in our government, for any serious action. Uh, there's not going to be as long as Donald Trump's in office and Republicans control Congress. Sorry to say it. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's going to come a point, in my opinion, that the devastation of this is going to become so great and so damaging, not only in this state, but it's going to be Arizona parts of Nevada where I'm from, New Mexico, Mountain West, uh, et cetera, so forth, that you're going to have political leaders who normally didn't care about it finally move to do something. I only hope it's not too late. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that I always find that's really interesting and, and you know, something that I had seen in the past, and, and I know we didn't really kind of have this as some of our, our pre-podcast research, but um, it's, it's in some of these, uh, you know, information that have been put out by um, you know, say, for example, um, there was a, uh, a, a piece in the Washington Post in, tw- in September 2017 um, and um, co-written by uh, Chad Hansen, who is a research ecologist with the John Muir Project. Um, and, um, you know, what his big push and what some of these people talk about is that um, that 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 there is considerably less fire of all intensities in the western U.S. forest compared with natural historical levels when lightning caused fires burned without humans trying to put them out. Um, mm-hmm. And that they don't destroy forests when, um, um, when, when, when you, know, you know, the forests aren't irreparably harmed. Um, it's basically a way of cleaning the forest. And so, you know, I, you know, I just think it's a debate that I think that we have to think about. Now, we talk about climate change, and, and those are two, I mean, sometimes they're, they're related, and they're related in some of these stories that we're talking about. But at the same time, um, you know, there's, 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 there's definitely a, a point of view from, from, from very well-educated uh, ecologists who say that, you know, fires aren't necessarily bad, and they've been, um, because we put fires out, they make raging fires worse and that if we would just let you know nature you know mother nature take its course it would do it um now we know that that's different you know we've we've kind of conquered nature um and that's the way we kind of live our society but i i just think it's an idea that 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 sometimes gets lost when people see things it's unfortunate but it is what it is um and in order to have healthy forests you need fire i don't disagree with that i really don't uh, the problem is, of course, is when you have populated areas right. where it's burning out of control. Duh, right. You know this. Um, I, again, a fire in itself is not a bad thing. It just depends on where it's burning and how much. Uh, uh, clearly what's happening, though, now ha- it's worse than it used to be. And, again, there are, there are a lot of very heavy-duty topics and, and questions associated with this. Uh, and not, there are really not many easy answers yeah. right now. Yeah. You know, and, so, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, you know, say, say, you know, one of the things that Hansen says is just, um, you know, that, you know, that we should, 
maybe just you know deal with how we how we deal with um, homes and other structures that are built. Um, you know, you can't just have that tree hanging over your house if you're in a forested area. Um, and sometimes you have to let the fire go through the forest and just hope that your home doesn't catch on fire. And you can deal with that as long as you don't have trees around your property. One of the one of the suggestions from Hanson is that there's a defensible space of 100 feet between homes and forests. Um, so it allows the fire to serve its essential ecological role. And this is a quote, while keeping it away from our communities. Um, you know, I, right. you know, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's just a very difficult, um, you know, topic. I think that we are conditioned to think that for forest fires are bad and that's what ecologists tell us that that's not necessarily true and that they're made to not have humans trying to mitigate these fires. And we do, we put some small ones out, we try to protect, um, lumber interests and, and what ends up happening is that that then we have a fire that's out of control. We also don't con, you know control how we how we deal with these around communities, and then we're shocked when they come and, and destroy a community. Um, it's almost like you know having hurricane defense. You just can't you can't do it. You know should you just not build that town along the sea, uh, you know, at, along the ocean side? And and so you know there's there's all these debates, but I think. Um, you know, what we talk about, and, and I think the last bit that we wanted to talk about is just the drought here and what's going on in the West with um, even, um, you know, the Colorado River. Um, you know, whether that's going to impact fires, I don't know, but it, we know that there might be some rationing going on at Lake Mead. Yeah, uh, you know, according to a story from KPBS, uh, it is from KPBS, excuse me, that uh, lower water levels on the Colorado could force shortages in Arizona, Nevada, and Mexico the country of Mexico, not the state, uh, in 2020, two years away. Now, this is according to a new forecast. This is not coming from some wild-eyed environmental group. This is coming from the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation, which is not exactly, again, the most, some would say, the most progressive governmental organization when uh -huh. it comes to, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that, but they, when it comes to environmental protection sure. uh, and river protection. Um and, you know, the shortage is tied to the main reservoir, which is Lake Mead, near Las Vegas. Of course, we know Hoover Dam is why Lake Mead exists. It used to be just the wild, raging Colorado River. It, of course, it was tamed. And, I mean, I, I think for the most part, Hoover Dam was has been a good thing for the area. Uh, but it also, you know, there's no question some of the uh, negative, you know, some of the negative points about it that are happening. Um I, I know the reports are if the lake drops past an elevation of 1,075 feet, you know, water users downstream are going to have to start cutting back how much water they use. Now, these are, this is a projection. I, I'll give you another example. There was one about two or three years ago that said if water levels in up to a certain point, Hoover Dam couldn't produce power. Well, thankfully, that hasn't happened. But when you look at pictures of the water line around the dam, i.e. the big rocks that are along the reservoir itself, the lake, you're talking 10, 20 feet of a drop. I can remember as a kid when that was just not a problem. I remember when the spillways were opened up, right. which is a, a, was an incredibly rare event because the water had, you know, there was so much water in the reservoir. Yeah, obviously they had to do that. I went down with my mother and watched it. It was an awesome sight. Um, and a good reminder, hey, we've got plenty of water. That's great. Now, Vegas was nowhere near the size it is now of nearly 2.5 million people. Right. Uh, you didn't have California having nearly 40 million. You didn't have Arizona. Your population is about, what, 8 million? Yeah. Now we're yes. a little, yeah, I mean, you didn't have this kind of immense growth a little, a little in the Southwest and Southern California, which has put a tremendous, look, and look, you're, I'm not saying it's bad all these people are here. They're here. Okay. They came for various reasons. Who could blame them with all the great things these states have to offer? Um, but, yeah, when you've got a population now of, what, 50, 60 million, sort of in the greater general southwestern area, that's a lot of human beings, a lot of animals who need water to live and survive and, and wash dishes and take showers and swim, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so, yes, there, there's a tremendous amount of strange, uh, strain. <laughs> it's well strange sometimes, isn't it, when you think about it? And strain on this river and Lake Mead. Um, now, because of old compacts, and I don't know how those are going to play out, 
Now, according to this story, Arizona is going to be the one to take the biggest cut. Then Nevada and Mexico. Um, California will be spared. Has more of a guaranteed supply. I have a funny feeling probably parts of California won't be. So, and, you know, in the past, to go back in ancient history, when Hoover Dam was first built, and the allotment was California got the lion's share of both electricity and water, followed by Arizona, and then good old Nevada getting the last. That's kind of been something that's stuck in the craw of my own state for some time. Um, so, you know, I, I really hope, as we all do, that this, this projection is wildly wrong. But with lower snowpacks and less rain, although I know your state has gotten a nice little dousing, I'm very jealous of that. <laughs> so is my hometown of Vegas. But, you know, I again, I don't think the Bureau of Reclamation makes wild kind of predictions. So this is just something it, it should be causing concern, not only of political leaders, but of residents themselves, my, yeah. you know, myself included. Yeah, you know, and they've been working on a, any, uh, a new pact um uh, f- with amongst the states, um, the drought contingency plan and 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 mm-hmm. how the Colorado River Compact will be adjusted for the drought contingency plan, um, because the problem right. is is that you know the Colorado River Compact assumed that there was never going to be the drought, so now they're trying to figure out how do we do this without um, just totally wilting Arizona, which is really what the problem is, is because that yeah. would be the first place to wilt. Um, there's been a lot of water banked up, um, but now they don't really know how they're supposed to get it. Um, they've been taking when when they they had when the allocation is high and we haven't been using it all in Arizona. They've been banking it in either underwater aquifers or above ground or wherever they could. They've been storing it so that it's here. Um, but that agreement hasn't come together. It's been years in the making, at least three. I think they've been working on it. They came close about a year and a half ago and never did anything when the water time was high. And now they need to actually figure something out. Um, if you look today, it's 1,078 feet uh, at Lake mm-hmm. Mead. We know that really when it's when it's like the average amount is you know 1,075, which we're getting close to if the rain doesn't come. Um, you know, it's always right. high in the spring because the the the, the snowpack melts. Um, really wasn't a good winter last year either. Um, but there's been a lot of rain, um, so you know it's it's definitely going to be something that 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 is going to rear its ugly head. You just hope that people take care of it. The um, because the water rights owners here have to make the deal, and the biggest parts is you know there's Central Arizona Project, there's Salt River Project here. Um, and then yeah. a lot of the tribes have guaranteed water rights. Um, and so they're, you know, them and some, some farmer rights, they've been really dealing with the water rights. It's, it's become a, a, you know, it's almost bigger than Bitcoin for sure, uh, out in Arizona, I would think. Um, and, and so they have to come to a deal on what they're going to do with it and how, what they do down the line. So I think that that's part of the issue and hopefully more people pay attention to it because it's, it's something that the drought looks like it's coming. And if we don't have the contingency plan set and there's not an agreement, they'll just turn the taps off to Arizona and and, and then we'll be in real trouble. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, just can I qu- say one other quick thing here? Just it's, it's, it's unsettling, but just as a reminder to people, a human being can go roughly 30 days without any food. They can, a person can go about four days without any water. So, you know, folks, it matters. <laughs> yeah, and I know, and, you know, our I know listeners are aware of that. And I know so we've talked about everybody it. Everybody needs to be paying attention. You know, we've talked about it before on 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 some of our podcasts about how we have some some uh, seemingly contradictory ideas in Arizona, like how the city of Phoenix uh, approved an Aquafina bottling facility uh, here. Um, some of that right. stuff is just um, you know millions of gallons of water that we're shipping to other places in Arizona, mm. which makes no sense. But um, yeah. let's let's go from dry and parched to banned. <laughs> um, and I guess, you know, John Brennan um, looks a little dry and parched just trying, you know, to explain himself um, when he got his <laughs> um, security clearance taken away um, as part of an intimidation or just saying, hey, I don't like you. Um, seems a little strange um, that it's basically... You know, he's discussing things, and I've seen him on on television. I've read comments. 
He always uh, makes sure that he doesn't share too much information so that he's violating national security. Um, but he's basically saying what he can say publicly and just reiterating it. Um, something that I've never heard of, never would have thought I ever would have heard of a, a CIA, a former CIA director losing um, uh, his security clearance, um, especially when it's not like he was convicted or thought that he was trading secrets. It's just that he's being critical of the president. And I know that, you know, he's calling him treasonous and some other things that can, um, you know, those are very loaded words. Um, however, um, it, it, it doesn't do anything besides um, try to punish somebody. It seems like the worst level. And some people will complain, well, then now he can't come in and even try to consult the government on anything because he's basically doesn't have a, any security clearance. It's not, you know, some people are saying he shouldn't have a right to go make money in the private sector. Um, I, I don't know whether that's the case. Um, but it, it, it seems like a, you know, like everything else we've been on with Donald Trump, a slippery slope from, from being political. Um, you know, so he's claiming people shouldn't be political about it. So then he's using a political basis to take away this and punish him. Um, seems kind of odd, strange, and unfortunate. It's also hypocritical. And it also, to me, you know, he's threatening to the revoke. Which, whether or not he really does it, I don't know. It, you know, Donald Trump says a lot of ridiculous, untrue, wild, stupid things on a daily basis. Uh, just look at this uh, press conference he gave with Border Patrol agents as another example of how unstable and unfit this man is. But it's interesting that he's threatening to revoke. You know, he's already been with Brennan, but he's threatening Susan Rice. He's threatening Robert Mueller. Uh, quite a few other people who, interestingly enough, are somewhat important to Robert Mueller's investigation of whether or not members of the Trump administration or his campaign knowingly colluded with Russian officials, be they in the government or not, to help him win the 2016 Electoral College. I find, you know, the fact this list that Sarah Huckabee Sanders went over the last week Highly suspicious. Um, you know, and, and, and look, John Brennan, say what you will about him. He's got a long history, some of it not all that great. And he's a communist, uh, right? He's a communist. He, exactly. Um, <laughs> but he was also in the room, in the, in the situation room, when Osama bin Laden was killed. And he is somebody who generally, even with people who don't agree with him, uh, sort of philosophy and and what he did as CIA director, but said this man is honorable, upstanding, and did have the nation's best interest at heart, whether you liked everything he did or not. And I have never known John Brennan to be kind of a loudmouth speaking out. Um, you know, and keep in mind, there, there was a, a signing statement now by dozens of people from the intelligence communities, people like George Tenet. We all know the administration he worked for. Right. And we all know how badly that turned out. But this is George Tenet, Porter Goss, a man who succeeded Tenet, you know, while Bush was president as a CIA head. Not exactly the most successful career in that. But he's, and you know, Porter Goss is very much a political animal. You know, Michael Hayden, part of the Bush administration. And we have Liam Tenet, David Petraeus. Again, you know, this is not somebody anybody would call a wild-eyed liberal, and we all know about Petraeus's background. Uh, James Clapper, John McLaughlin, Stephen Capps, I mean, just a list of people who, again, whether you like them or not, they know what, you know, they know their profession well. Does they, and even if they, they haven't always made the best decisions and are not known, contrary to what Trump and his hacks around him are claiming, to be monetizing their knowledge or experience. Uh, I mean, maybe they've given some speeches or, or what have you, but they're certainly not doing it in the way we've seen people in the Trump administration doing it. Uh, and so it, it just and that should be alarming enough that all of these people have signed a le letter calling Trump out. And I, again, I just to me, this is just the actions of somebody who knows he's guilty. Uh, maybe not of just going up to Putin and saying, yeah, ha ha ha, help collude with us. But clearly just not the, the actions of a man who's innocent here.
and he's simply doing this out of the spite, out of spite, and his usual childish uh, ways. Which, in the long run, I think are going to come back and bite him on his fat rear end pretty badly. Uh, and you know, Brendan isn't—I mean, he's reportedly now kind of daring Brendan to sue him. Um, maybe Brendan will. Good for him if he does. But, uh, you know, if you watch the interview with Rachel Maddow, and I, I want to, you know, he didn't say, he didn't say Donald Trump had committed treason. He said his actions were treasonous. And I do think there's a difference there. And, um, I mean, for Brennan even to be saying this, I, I, you know, and he's not the only one. Yeah, okay. and, and you know, it's, but it's but but is but is that part of it too? Is that that uh, that I think that claims by um, a former CIA director saying that that it's um, his actions are treasonous. Um, um, what you know that there's some sort of connection between Trump and Russia gives it greater weight, and that's why he's attacking him because it exactly. is you know it's like everything else that happens if somebody accuses Trump, then Trump tries to just tear them down, whether. You know, they're, um, you know, a guy who is a, you know, a 25-year a CIA uh, officer like Brennan, um, where you can basically, where you're a draft evader and you're accusing these people that, that served the government for years and years and years of, and, and, and people buy it. The base buys it. Um, and, and, you know, it seems it's so, that's why it's so political and, and why it's, 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 you know, really a, 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 it, it, uh, for lack of a better term, a trumping of the norms of of the way that we run, you know, this government, and it really is a government by and for the people. It should always be, and I don't think it's serving the people to have somebody like that, um, you know, you know, be a, a, you know, you know, politically skewered. Well, right, and just to, just Trump supporters might take a moment and think about this. Eventually, your boy is going to be out of office, maybe sooner than twenty twenty, maybe in twenty twenty one. You're going to have another Democrat as president, and rest assured, not one of you would like it if a Democrat was doing this to, to somebody like John Brennan. You'd all be going ballistic. Right now, if Hillary Clinton had done the same thing to John Brennan or any other person, and, you know, I really hate whataboutisms, or, or I hate false equivalency, but everybody knows damn well there'd be a firestorm 24-7 until Clinton was either going to be impeached for it driven out of office. And you know what? I'd be okay with that because that action would be disgusting. And that's exactly what Donald Trump is doing right now. The, you know, again, he is protected by Congress who are more afraid of their voters than anything else, which is just beyond pathetic and blatantly un-American. And in the long run, very damaging for our national security. Yeah, and you know, I mean, it was even the leader of the... Um, uh bin laden raid um admiral william mcraven um That's also right. said you know you know take my security clearance too then um and, and you know yeah, it's extraordinary that this man is speaking up this is not a guy who wants to be in the spotlight you know if you're on sea you know if you're a navy seal you don't do that the fact that he has come out and is speaking up that should just speak for itself of how bad trump's actions are and how disgusting and damaging they are. You know, and I, I, I've been, I've been, uh, you know, feverishly while you've been, you know, talking, we've been trying to find out whether there was, um, uh, whether Petraeus lost his security clearance even after being sentenced to two years probation and a hundred thousand right. dollar fine, and being removed um, as CIA director, that he ever lost his security clearance because it just means that they could go in and talk to you. Again, that's really what it means. It means you can go out and get a job. Yes. Um, but that's not really what it is. Um, it, it, it is that they can, you know, the government wants to keep that clearance on you so that you they can consult you on things that happened in the past um, if they want. And 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 so it's just it's just one of those things that it just takes away another tool from from somebody at some point. If they want to speak to Bern, you know, Brennan now, they can't. Um, and, and so, it, you know. It just, it just makes no sense. It just makes us weaker. And, you know, hopefully, you know, Trump's base sees this. Um, um, you know, moving on to, you know, when uh, Trump might or might not be in office, um, we've had some very interesting things, um, you know, continue. I, I think we both can agree. And, you know, you know, maybe a quick answer on this one it does seem like 
the pressure is ratcheted up and we do feel like we're reaching a point of uh, of an end on all this. Do you feel the same way? Does it seem there's more energy here? I mean, obviously Manafort hasn't been, um, you know, the, uh, the jury hasn't come down with a decision yet, but Omarosa, you know that Michael Cohen's coming through. It just seems like it's more energetic. Do you feel that? I do. Um, now, again, I've, and I've been saying this since day one and since, you know, he fired Comey and Mueller took over and things just started heating up from there. The worse things get for Donald Trump, the worse he's going to behave and the worse he's going to react. We saw that with Brennan and him threatening to strip everybody else's security clearances. The worse his base is going to react. And the political hacks around him, the mainstream media or elsewhere, you know, the more insane they're going to get with their explanations and defenses of this guy. Um, you know, sadly, we're going to have to endure that kind of you know, political discourse firestorm. Boy, I use that word again, but that's what it is. Uh, it's, I just would advise people to tune all that out and simply follow actual legitimate reporting on this investigation and where it's going. Although it is very hard to ignore the discourse, because whether we like it or not, it does influence political leaders. You know, really, really keeping me on here, Lukwani, who you heard him on this interview with hey. Chuck Todd on Meet the Press. God. I, and just listening to it, I had to literally pick my jaw off from the floor. Because he's already contradicted himself about a dozen times about what Trump knew and didn't. He's claiming now that, that uh, the woman, uh, Natalia Veselinskaya, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, they didn't know that she was, you know, doing this on behalf of Russians. I mean, it's just, it, and then he claims that, you know, Trump never, I, I, I may not get this right here, so I want to be careful what I say. He's just, he's made claims about things Trump has already said that now he didn't say. Yeah, or um, stuff that's been released. I mean, because it was obvious, and I think that Chuck Todd also, I have to say, you know, he kind of left him off the hook. You know, he you know, he let him off the hook. It seemed oh, like yes, he was, and it, and it looked like 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 uh, Giuliani lied so much in like thirty five seconds that a live you know a live uh, television show and Todd couldn't keep up it i mean and i'm not blaming him it just seems like like he was focused on and then after all that he threw out the truth is the truth you know the truth is not the truth and i think Todd lost it but it, like you said it was the fact that he said they didn't even know that they were russians at all uh, you know they just said hey we have information on the candidate and then it's in the emails that that Trump Jr released like like, you know, the smart political operative that he is. Um, it specifically said it was the Russian government's take. It, it, he talked about how she was, you know, a prosecutor, a crown prosecutor in Russia. I mean, it was very clear that it was the government, and either they didn't know or they didn't care. But there was obviously a, you know, like like Todd tried to push him and say there was attempted collusion right there. You know, it's 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 obvious and you know he tried to you know pass it off saying no and and you know it's just very you know troubling trump says he's got nothing to hide but he obviously did something like that and to say that it's mccarthyism um i think is the furthest from the truth i think anybody can have an idea what we want our government to be or our economic system what happened in mccarthyism in the 50s was was horrible if people feel like they want socialist ideas or communist ideas in this country they have a right to do so but conspiring with a foreign government to do it that's where you start breaking the law uh, if you just decide that you you feel like you want to push those kinds of candidates you can vote for Bernie Sanders if he's a socialist or a, or a communist there's nothing that says we can't have you know people who are communist in this country um, and that's where where the division comes and it's just scary to to see, like you said, Rudy Giuliani on Sunday and previous to this has just been making up whatever he makes up. It's like it comes off the top of his head. Um, I saw a very interesting piece saying, if this ends up going to a jury about obstruction, do you think they're going to believe anything and that the prosecution would have a slam dunk case because the Giuliani and others like him have just been lying so much about what happened? Right. Yeah, I, I, I just, it's, I mean, it blows my mind to think this man, 17 years ago, well, actually, by this time he wasn't, but say 20 years ago, this man was mayor of New York, and 
you know, then 9-11 happens, and there are some, I think, some of Giuliani's decisions predating that were highly questionable, but in general, this man won over the nation after the attack, was named Times Person of the Year, was considered to be a viable presidential candidate. Um, and in the last 10 years, he's just sadly gone from a respected public figure to a GOP hack. And now, I mean, I think he's just pissed away whatever credibility he had left in terms of his being a shell for Donald Trump and lying for him on a constant basis. I mean, we, you know, I, you know, I don't even want to predict where this is all going to go, especially if, if Mueller does come down with indictments. Um, I mean, ultimately, just from a purely legal standpoint, if I were somebody advising Trump, I'd tell him, this guy is doing more damage to you than you can ever imagine. Get rid of him. Fire him. Tell him you don't need his help anymore. But, of course, because he sits there and, and you know, says what Trump wants to hear, that's, you know, Trump keeps him. But it's not helping his case legally. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely... I, a... just, again, it's just really pathetic to see what Rudy Giuliani is. Yeah, you know, and, you know, to steal the Internet memes... To steal the internet memes, it's I guess it's kind of hard to have Gollum as your as your uh, legal advisor, um, but it's a, a, you know definitely a very a very odd thing to to see. I mean, I I I never personally you know felt into the cult of Giuliani, so you know I I I just kind of feel like he's finally being you know everyone else is seeing him the kind of the way that I always had. Um, and, uh, you know, it was my own personal opinion on, 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 on really the way that he conducted business. Um, right. I, and, I'm just talking about how the American public and how he was viewed in that lens yeah, about 20 years ago. And he's a Yankees and fan. He's, so he's fallen pretty far then. So, and, you know, for him to claim truth, you know, the truth is not the truth. And I remember 20 years ago, a certain president who had been interviewed by a special prosecutor, of course, saying it depends on what the definition of is is. And thinking, okay, Bill Clinton, you've, you've lost already. Uh, which, of course, Chuck Todd did say something interesting. You know, you know your comment, Giuliani, is going to become a meme in a matter of three seconds. Uh, paraphrasing him a little bit. But uh, just, just, you know completely detached from reality, completely dishonest, and in the long run, this is not going to help Donald Trump. So um, we also had uh, the Don McGahn, um, uh, I don't know, hubbub? I guess, you know, hubbub's a good way to describe it. I think there's not really much there. McGahn's not saying anything. Somebody leaked this information, which... Giuliani in the beginning of the weekend started to try to say that it was the, um, you know, it was Mueller's team, but I just have a hard time believing that when they won't say anything. Um, I have to think that it's, that it's came from um, Trump's team. Um, but it, it, still very, you know, Trump surprised, I guess, that McGahn's not really his attorney. He's more of the White House attorney. He's defending the White House and the presidency, um, not necessarily Trump. Um, you know, which all was a big change that happened after Nixon. Um, but, you know, there still could be something there. It could be anything that McGahn said. And we know that that's how we really found out that he was getting, you know, intending to fire um, uh, uh, Sessions or and or Mueller or, uh, um, last summer um, throughout this last year. Um, that alone could have an idea of uh, obstruction of justice that he was stopped by. Um, you know, the attorney, and they can probably say, well, he was stopped, he didn't actually do it. But intent, um, it shows intent on some other actions that you take, um, you right. know, which 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 I think will be the legal argument, just that he's able to kind of give that information. It builds Mueller's obstruction argument, just on the fact that he wanted to fire him. But it's, you know, it's more, more fuel for this fire. Um, also, you know, like, as we had talked about, you know, there's 18 counts um, um, being decided on Paul Manafort right now. And by the way, anybody who might be listening, I think Karen and I have both decided we want to do a, a quick uh, Manafort podcast, even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes once we kind of hear mm-hmm. that, that uh, 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 you know, decision has been reached, uh, if, you know, when the jury comes to a decision. Um, you know, but that alone is really going to, you know, take over the news cycle. And then we don't know what's going to happen with any sort of deal-making at that point or pardons from Trump, which will be its own mm-hmm. interesting element um, but, you know, a yeah. lot of heat, a lot of energy, a lot of stuff going on. 
uh, the election is, you know, less than two months away, or, you know, I guess we're, you know, we're about um, two and a half months, right? Uh, September, October. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting at the end. I know that there's been some discussion. The last thing I want to, you know, kind of talk about if, you know, obviously you can come back around before we get into these Arizona elections, but there has been talk in Giuliani also kind of putting words in Mueller's mouth that he doesn't want to, um, you know, interfere with the election. So the uh, report's going to come out in September. How do you feel about that? I don't necessarily well, think that I, that's going to happen. Or do you anything think well, Rudy Giuliani says whatsoever? I do yeah. not. He doesn't speak for Robert Mueller. I, Robert Mueller, you know, has run this whole thing like a, with a, as a very tight ship. And he has made no public statements, unlike Ken Starr 20 years ago. Exactly. Big difference between Starr, right? Mueller is almost a sphinx. And that's why I think, despite all the political pressure from Trump and his minions, this is still going on. It's, and to some degree, I, 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 you know, I think Trump, even Trump understands that detached from reality and stupid as he is, that if he really tried to fire Mueller, the, the, the blowback would be, I think it might even end his presidency. Now, maybe I'm going out on a limb on saying that, but I really, you know, we found sometimes political dynamics, no matter who the player may be, once they get out of, you know, they lose control of them, you know, they can, it can end quickly for them. Uh, I don't care who it is. Even with Trump's base, as rock solid as it may be, even though it is very much a minority in this country and GOP politicians are scared to death of it, there, you know, again, you just never know where eventually those cracks can start. Um, so I, you know, Mueller, Mueller has said nothing. Uh, he's just letting the case and the investigation and indictment speak for themselves. And it's why Paul Manafort, who, you know, we, all, we know damn well why he hasn't, but because he, he's expecting a, a pardon from Trump. Trump is as much as telegraph. That's what he's going to do. So don't be surprised. Do you mean if Manafort is found guilty in all counts and given a prison sentence, prison sentence well, he'll be out as soon as possible, because Trump's going to pardon him to keep him loyal. Um, at the same time, that may not, you know, may not be enough to save Trump. Yeah, we, I think well, he, just, he honestly believes he can just pardon everybody and, and run away from all this. Yeah, not well, necessarily. Yeah, and you know, we, you, know you just kind of mentioned that uh, <laughs> the firing of Mueller might be a tipping point into some folks jumping on the impeachment bandwagon. Um, does that same thing... Or what level compared to that do you think pardoning Manafort is? Um, do you think there's people that jump on that on that train then too? I, I mean, it depends. I, I just think it depends on what's going to happen with this election. And already it's looking like Democrats are, and again, a lot can change. And turnout has to be massive for it to happen given how gerrymandering, you know, where people are distributed, et cetera, so forth. But, I mean, I just saw a story today saying basically now the most people who don't agree with Republicans are doing, they technically really only have about 18% representation in the U.S. Senate because many of these senators are from deep red states or kind of purplish ones. There are Democrats who are vulnerable this year, like Claire McCaskill of, of Missouri, Bill Nelson of Florida, and Joe Donnelly of Indiana. Although, again, it's still a long way in November. They could all want, win re-election. But, you know, if, if turnout is going to be high enough, the Democrats win the House, there goes a lot of Trump's protection. And, yes, that means he can be impeached if Democrats do hold hearings and enough of them vote for impeachment. doesn't mean he's going to leave because he has to be technically removed by the Senate, who would have to convict him. Um, but, you know, let's face it, those kinds of things are, are just going to further damage Trump's reputation in the eyes of most Americans who didn't vote for him, don't like him, you know, don't support him. They're just, you know, like most people, they're living their lives and they can't, you know, fixate on him 24-7. That's not to say they're not paying attention and, don't, you know, they're not upset by what he's doing. I think most people are, but... Uh, again, America's a complicated country, and, and people have to go to work every day. They can't be out protesting 24-7. Good for the people who are. And there has been a steady crowd in front of the White House for over a month now uh, calling Trump out. Um, so, I mean, again, just so many things are at play here. But I, you know, I still say that Trump can easily be done in, you know, figuratively by his own actions. 
but just maybe a way that none of us see it right now. Well, you know, I completely agree with you on that. I think, you know, we have to see what happens in the elections, but anything can happen in, in what he decides to to do. Um, and, and you know, as we see the that thing, there's, you know, there's I'm some sorry, things that still shock me um, that, um, you know, when, when the pile-on of Brennan um, happened, um, I was a little shocked by it, um, you know, Lindsey Graham well, and others. Um, well, it yeah. just seemed, you know, as, as much as people that are ripping on it, you know, uh, you know, ripping on Brennan, um, it, it, I just kind of thought more, more, you know, more Republicans would keep their heads down instead of, st- you know, stepping up. But of course, Trump demands loyalty and, uh, and I guess he got it. Um, you know, segueing back to Arizona, because there's a Trump, um, impact here. Um, if that's okay, if you, unless you have something else that you want to add on the, on the, well, uh, I- Quickly, I, I do think you might see a small percentage of Republicans who are vulnerable in their races. Although, again, given the wing that welfare system, they may just be prepared to lose their seat and get a cushy lobbying job or end up on Fox News. Um, but there may be some who just decide it's not worth it anymore to be in bed with Donald Trump and, and say, yes, I feel there should be impeachment hearings without, you know, saying I'll vote for impeachment. So I. You know, again, I just I think we'll have to see what Paul's saying in another month or two. I do, you know, I do think you're going to see the GOP becoming more nervous as time goes on. So, so here in Arizona, there's like a strange situation, um, and let's let's describe that for those who who aren't here or those who don't follow politics very much in Arizona, but. Um, the Senate race, the U.S. Senate race here in Arizona is heating up. It is one of those seats that we talked about that that really could vote um, um, for impeachment maybe down the line. Um, been two Republican senators from Arizona since the late 80s, I believe. Um, now, finally, there's an opening. Um, uh, Representative uh, Kristen Cinema or Kirsten Cinema, sorry, um, is is running to take um, uh, the seat, and she is the only Democratic candidate. Um, very kind of very strong candidate. Um, there are a triumvirate of possible Republican um, nominees to come out of the primary election here um, a week from tomorrow, um, and that's uh, Representative Martha McSally. Um, uh, former state rep Kelly Ward, who who lost um, the uh, Republican nomination uh, for John McCain's seat, which he won re-election in 2016. And then uh, former Maricopa County Sheriff, the toughest sheriff in America, Joe Arpaio, is, is back trying to run. And he was trolled by Sasha Baron Cohen, by the way, a few weeks ago, for those who haven't seen it. But the interesting... uh, yeah, I saw it all right. I, I mean, I, I, you know, he is that stupid, apparently. OMG, OMG. <laughs> um, so uh, <laughs> to not go there fully. Um, no, let's not. The interesting dynamic is, obviously, um, Joe Arpaio was pardoned or had a sentence, um, uh, you know, commutated, uh, his, his conviction overturned by, by Trump um, as one of the first... Um, um, expressions of his pardon power where he's trying to send a message. Um, but Trump isn't supporting him. Um, Kelly Ward um, was supported by Trump in 2016, um, is still believed to be who Trump supports, but he's made kind of a deal with the powers that be in the Republican Party to kind of really not make a deal about it. So everybody's behind Martha McSally. Martha McSally has decided and has thrown everything behind Donald Trump um, so that she can win that Senate seat. Um, So you have three people that are all sucking up to Trump and the Republican primary. Um, And politically in the ads here, um, the way they've been playing off here, and of course, you know, they're, they're regional, so a lot of people don't see them. But um, the super PACs, which are funding um, the support for McSally, are basically just bashing on Ward, um, making up things um, that are that are incredible, you know, talking about how she doesn't support Donald Trump. She doesn't support the military. She basically says that, you know, terrorists are okay um, and that she's fine with illegal aliens, all of which are not true. And as much as I don't like Kelly Ward, um, the fact of how much the Republican establishment is just ripping her to shreds because 
of of the, that she's just not their pick, um, and they want to make sure that she doesn't win. They think McSally's a, a stronger general election opponent to cinema, which is why they want her. But really, Ward is a Trump Republican. Now, now Ward is coming back out with the ads that say, no, I am, and Trump really does support me. Now, she can't say that Trump endorses her because Trump doesn't endorse her. He has basically thrown his weight behind McSally like the rest of the Republicans have. But he has said in a side, oh, yeah, Kelly Ward, I like her. She's good. So that's what she uses as her endorsement in her ads. And that's and that's as much true as anything else. It's 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 a very strange dynamic. There's complete fake news disinformation being leveled out there against Kelly Ward by the Republican establishment. Um, and it, it is really, you know, like I've told anyone that is watching an ad with me while it's on that it is it is, it is the most blatantly politically horrible ad I've seen that that misstates positions more than anything else, even though I don't like Kelly Ward's policies. And, you know, if it, it, it's just not true. Um, and, and they're just trying to say that she's not the Trumpkin, but she is. Um, and, of, and of course, you know, Arpaio, he's, he's near 80. He probably doesn't have it anymore. You got these two ladies that are probably going to be the top vote getters. But this, this battle between McSally and Ward has gotten ugly. It's gotten crazy because of Trump's not political mindset where he wants to just support anybody who supports him the most. And he's supporting Ward and McSally almost at the same time. Um, which it just is not done. Um, it's just it's just a, a a very crazy thing, and it's you know again, the, you know we talk about how how the norms and our system is kind of you know falling apart. That's one of them. It's 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 just it's just a way that you can't believe anything anymore. You can't even believe, you know you know people are wholesale lying about Kelly Ward, and again, you know I. I don't support her, but I, I I just think it's the wrong way to run a government. It's a wrong way to run an election, um, to be so outwardly just false. Um, I you know, I, and I don't know what do you see from the outside looking in. I, I know you haven't well, seen any of these ads or or really kind of see the day to day. Well, as someone who's been following the Arizona race, I, I to me McSally and any poll show her according to real clear politics. She's definitely got the edge over you know Arpaio, who I think is just a joke. And, you know, it should t- what does it tell people that he lost his sheriff's seat in deep red Arizona in a year where Republicans did really well? Uh, you know, I think it shows a lot of Arizonans, even particularly conservative ones, are done with him. But here he is running because he's just an egomaniac who's 85 years old and, uh, you know, just somebody who should just be now retired happily, even though he's a profoundly bad person, in my opinion. But, you know, he's not going to win this. Uh, you know, I think McSally, if she wins the primary, I, you know, she goes into this race, although I think she's going to have to, I see her kind of parallel with Dean Heller from my home state of Nevada. Uh, as somebody who maybe a lot of people don't like all that much, and I think going into the general, they're both really, you know, you know, playing up their Trump bona fides, but then, you know, for the primary, but then they're going to go have to go into the general kind of distancing themselves from him somewhat, especially with Heller. You know, Trump lost to Nevada, not by a whole lot, but his poll numbers are underwater there. I don't think they're that, unless I'm wrong and you can correct me, I don't think they're that great in Arizona anymore either. So, you know, I, I think we'll, we'll watch her. I think Michelle is going to win this primary. But I think when she goes into the general you're going to start her seeing her try to tout, oh, I'm more of an independent uh, party line, per se, than, than totally wet herself to Donald Trump. Because she's got to win, in my opinion, John, a certain amount of maybe conservative Democratic voters and independents, yeah. not just the GOP there, if she's going to become a senator. Yeah, you know, I mean, um, Arizona is basically has a, like a million independent voters, you know, quote unquote, right. you know, independent voters. Um, which I am one. Um, I, I, I definitely never want to put down any any party because I like to you know make sure that I'm voting on on issues, um, not mm-hmm. just because I you know there's a there's a D or an R or a G or whatever you know letter next to my name. I, you know I think it's interesting. You know we talk about Joe Arpaio, but still in all these all these polls he never drops below fifteen percent. There's still that bottom to his base that 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 will not. Um, abandon him and and uh, you know no matter what has happened and 
I personally think that if he wasn't in this race, Ward is leading, and Ward probably wins this primary. Interesting. Okay, well then, but and then I'll say this. I think if she won the primary, I think that there's a very good chance that Cinema wins that race because I, you know, I, I understand what you're saying about these unfair ads against her, but Kelly Ward had just had some seriously crack point, crackpot viewpoints. Yeah, and you know, I totally I, you know, agree. I'm sure Cinema's people candidly wish she would be winning the primary. Yeah, if they it would could make her job, Cinema's job a whole lot easier yeah, if than Cinema, Kelly, if, who is yeah. a much tougher candidate. Yeah, if, um, if Cinema could have kept but, Arpaio off, um, she would have gotten Ward, though. I mean, really, if you look at the 15, even if you take him at his lowest and her at her lowest, um, you know, uh, his lowest poll numbers in the past month and month and a half have been 15. Her lowest has been 19. So you take those two, you know, and you add them together, um, she's, she's probably going to, you know, eke this out, um, at some point. And, and, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely, a, uh, an interesting dynamic, but I think that no matter what, they're going to have an uphill battle, um, in the general election. Um, you know, but again, you know, anything can happen between here and then. I mean, for sure, cinema is, in my opinion, the strongest Democrat we've seen for a Senate race there in a long time. And, I mean, she comes into this race, too, with a lot of, of strengths on her side. But it's going to depend on turnout. If it's normally the number it is for a midterm, uh, no. But it, it could be if the more than enough people show up and vote, that cinema, you know, will win this. So she says she is a very attractive candidate in a lot of ways. And, to, you know, to be fair, so is McSally. But McSally, I think, has the problem... Of, you know, trying to win over independence if she's too cozy with Donald Trump. That's going to be hard. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's the biggest, um, you know, thing that's really going to play itself out is these races where these Republicans have had to really align themselves with Trump in order to win contested primaries because um, they know they need that Trump base to, to give them some support or else or else they're going to lose. Especially when you have something like a three, four person race, if you can grab that base, you're 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 in a good place. And and like you said, it, what's really going to play out is how they're able to shake that by the time of the general election. I you know personally, I don't think McSally's going to be able to do it, but you know, hmm. um, uh, you know, I think Cinema's been sitting back, saving up money, um, saving up her you know her powders dry. Um, you know, she's been doing some web ads, and that's about it. Um, and she's got plenty of backing. Um, I, you know, the the uh, de- the Democratic machine is going to fund her. Um, you know, to take this this seat. Um, you know, for sure. Um, it's already been out mm-hmm. there. She's going to get the the specials and and you know, super PAC money. They're gonna they're gonna throw everything at getting this Senate seat. It's a big grab for Democrats, um, and it's going to be here. You know, I I think like you said, the other the other real you know, there's 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 a few Senate seats that are. Really great for them, and Arizona's one of those ones that they're oh, I agree. I think she's like Peter O'Rourke and like Jackie Rosen of Nevada. I exactly. think these are very strong candidates who have, ser- have a serious chance of, of winning the race. So, but as you know, as we know, and we say many times, a whole lot can happen between now and November. So, yeah, and in the, on, and in the politically <laughs> correct uh, moment, you can say it's not over until the fat human being sings. Exactly. Um, and we mean opera singer. We're not also making fun of their fatness, but they, <laughs> they need rotundus to hit uh, to hit those notes. Um, the other interesting race, I mean, really, you know, the 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 general election in Arizona is you know kind of hit and miss. Um, uh, Joey Hancock did a great story for us, which we're going to be posting later today as well, um, sure or 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 tomorrow. Um, the governor primary election never really took off. And that is the only other really interesting election that we have in the primary. A lot of it is just, you know, Democrats figuring out Democrats. Um, you know, I really think, you know, that's all we have. A lot of them are, you know, the rest of them are kind of falling into normal place. I don't think that Ken Bennett has done enough to really unseat the incumbent Doug Ducey here. Um, yeah, I and I think most Republicans are just going to go out and just be the, oh, I remember this. I remember this name. I'm going to, you know, you know, you know, Mark Ducey. Um, you know, Ken Bennett is, you know, Secretary of State. He's got a he's got a known name at least, but I don't think people know him nearly as much. Um, you know, Ducey's been doing you know a little bit of advertising. Bennett hasn't been doing much of any. 
Um, I also just don't think he has the money or the energy he hasn't gotten there. He hasn't done anything, um, you know, big enough to kind of bring out that, 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 that excitement or that interest. He hasn't, he hasn't really accused anything, um, you know, to Ducey that's stuck. He's, you know, so, you know, I don't know whether, you know, Bennett was just really trying to, you know, lay the groundwork for really four years from now. Um, you know, but that's my guess is that he's just trying to say, Hey, you know, I'm here, I'm not going to really challenge. Um, and then, you know, but you know, in, uh, uh, 2022, I want this seat. I want to, you know, I really want to make a strong push. That's my take on it. Um, I don't know, is anything else in Arizona kind of stick out? You know, I, I, I mean, I don't know what chances Democrats have in some of these house races. Um, I, you know, I, I think when we saw the performance of Paul Gosser recently uh, at the uh, at the Strzok or Strzok, I never can pronounce Peter Strzok's name. That's all right. <laughs> uh, hearing and how embarrassing he was, uh, you know, you just think, really, you're going to get reelected? Um, I, I don't know if I see a lot of movement in those House races. I don't know if I see any pickups for Democrats. Again, if turnouts through the roof, I could be wrong. Um, Again, to me, frankly, with your state, the real attention is on the U.S. Senate race. I think Doug Ducey, you know, he's done, in terms of political optics, a very good job with sort of the pothole issues and showing up for them. It, it seems like he's kept, in my opinion, you may have a different one, somewhat of a reasonable distance from Trump, not necessarily just cozying up to him the way other governors of red states have. Um Perhaps because he's looking at polls and he's looking how the independent how the independent trend is going in the state knows he can't. So I, I think he's going to cruise to re-election. You know, primary of course, but then cruise to re-election. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, whatever Ken Bennett's strengths aside, and I'm, I'm, you know, I know he has some, but I agree with you, it's not enough to win this. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, 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 I you know, definitely think that 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 he's going to make it through to um uh the general election um uh but you know the the i think the real the real um um challenge that he's going to have is in the uh general election um you know steve farley i think so far um has 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 made some hay i think um against uh, you know he's basically running against Ducey now um, yeah. uh, there's, there's, there's David Garcia, who was a nominee for superintendent of public construction in 2014, barely lost to, um, uh, you know, uh, gosh, uh, all of a sudden I just lost her name, but, um, uh, you know, one that was really, you know, she was really kind of tough on, you know, kind of that whole Trump before Trump, um, uh, you know, trying to get rid of uh, mandated testing, kind of, you know, wanting to put uh, creationism back in the schools. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, you know, I do think that Ducey's going to have a lot to answer for because of what's happened with, you know, we 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 talked about it on this podcast a few months ago with the uh, education funding. Um, you know, Bennett hasn't really been, uh, uh, you know, you know, trumpeting that. I think both Garcia and Farley are going to, and so they'll have two months um, about to really kind of make the case with voters. Uh, and and th- and there's a chance again based on turnout. Um, that that Farley or Garcia, um, most likely Farley, has a chance that he's going to you know m- make a dent into Ducey, um, especially that if could be the case. especially if he can do something with the education funding because it has been um, yeah. you know a very uh, weird kind of feel um, that and like uh, you know the uh, um, autonomous vehicle death that happened here where Ducey's so cozy to industry you know he allowed. He allowed Uber to come in here and eventually, um, you know, killed a pedestrian. So, you know, there's some other things that I think, you know, that Ducey's vulnerable. I don't think Bennett has decided to really run a race in the in the primary. But we have to see what happens. I don't think the governor race is over yet because they haven't gotten out of the primary system. And there's still a chance for that. Most people will be back or are back right now and they'll start paying attention. Um, but, you know, for right. sure that, you know, those that's still going to be the biggest race. There's There's a few... Uh, house races, which might be interesting, but really um, the, the most interesting district um, for the House, uh, for the you know U.S. House here in Arizona, is um, you know Cinema's old seat, and um, you know a very strong candidate is going to probably come out of the Democratic nominee, their former Phoenix Mayor Greg Stanton. 
um, is is going to be um, uh, you know there probably going to win the Democratic primary here in the next um, a week. Um, and he's a uh, you know definitely a strong candidate. So I'd have to give him the edge, especially with even without turnout. Um, it kind of tilts a little bit. And as we know, with, right. um, you know, the Arizona um, seats have, have uh, are, are, when it was redistrict, it's not gerrymandered. Um, you know, we can go back again, but Arizona actually does not have a federally gerrymandered or even state government gerrymandered system anymore. Um, when that's a whole nother story altogether. But it definitely is um, one of those states we don't have to worry about that. Um, in a in a tide where we're going to have greater Democratic turnout, um, it's probably going to stay four and three or uh, five and four. Um, so yeah, um, and and that's going to be five um, yeah, a, a Democratic candidates. So anyway, um, hmm. a very interesting time. You know, I I love elections. I just I can't tell people enough that they shouldn't be paying attention to Star Wars, Star Trek, or Marvel. They need to be paying attention to um, real life and real governments and real systems because they're the ones that really matter. Um, and, and, you know, I guess until we can, can you know, you know, convince more people of that and 80 to 90 percent of people vote. Um, again, I'm going to throw out my same old um, uh, tired line is that we need to change our elections. It needs to be held over either two weekends or over a series of days because of this single day. Um, doesn't work. I think our registration needs to happen in different ways. I think we need to get 100% registration and we need to get nearer to 90% turnout. Um, if we can get there, then we'll probably get the politicians that we need. Yeah, I totally agree with you. All right, I'm off on my high horse. Uh, Karen, thanks again. Um, always great talking politics, anything with you. Um, great um, uh, to know you and to uh, chat with you here. Thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks to everybody who listened and, you know, pay attention. Be sure you're registered to vote and uh, show up at the primary later this month and then show up in November. Make sure you keep the curtain closed next week. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's my favorite election line. Karen, thanks again. We'll talk to you all next time. All righty. Bye bye.